Your state. Your team. Your show. This is Sports Nightly. Adrian goes under center this time. Mills, the deep back. Turn and toss it to Mills off the left side. He's to the 10. Stiff arms a man. Five dives. He is in. Touchdown, Nebraska. Diedrich Mills finds the end zone from 14 yards out. Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin. Here we are, Tuesday night, Sports Highly on the Husker Sports Network. Three hours ahead of us tonight. Looking forward to the next couple of hours. Here's what we have on tap tonight, Mitch Sherman of The Athletic. And if you're not a subscriber to The Athletic, I would recommend it. There are some terrific articles. You follow, obviously, the Huskers. Mitch is the beat writer for that. But if you follow anybody in pro baseball, pro football, the NBA, they've got writers that cover just about every team. It's really, really some really top-notch writing. But Mitch... Uh, covers the Oscars and has had some interesting pieces about Nebraska football. We'll get in with him coming up in a couple of minutes. Hour number two, it's our second Nebraska baseball show of the year. Head coach Will Bolt will be in studio. Oscars coming off of a victory over nationally ranked Arizona State on Sunday. It salvaged the final game of that series. Now the next six at home, the home opener Friday against Columbia at 1.30 at Haymarket Park. So the head coach will be here to Talk Husker baseball in hour number two. Top 10 Tuesday. We are now six days away from the start of spring football practice. Tonight, we're going to throw out the top 10 names we're going to keep an eye on during spring or have our interest for spring football. That should be fun. We break through that. We'll also hear from Kevin Suits, sports director at 1011 Sports. Busy time of year for those guys. I mean, they got girls' state basketballs this week. They got boys' district play going on around the state this week. Boy State next week, obviously, Husker football, Husker basketball, all that's going on. We'll get Kevin's thoughts on all of it coming up in hour number three. And as always, phone lines open and available for you at 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. You might have seen over the last couple of weeks, the football department has been putting out some individual videos on guys. It was Adrian Martinez a week or so ago. Today they put one out on one of your favorite guys, and that's DiCaprio Boodle. It's really well done. It mixes highlights of of them, maybe a quote from them, uh, but it's really well done, and I'm, I'm glad they're kind of highlighting some of these guys, and DiCaprio's certainly a guy that's well worth that. Yeah, I think, you know, you look at the way that Nebraska's secondary is going to take shape next year. He's going to be the leader in that room. Um, you know, we heard from him a couple of weeks ago on the show. He's prepared to have that <clears throat> that leadership role, and this is a very important time to be an upperclassman in that back end. Guys like Deontay Williams and Markel Desmuke and, you know, obviously DiCaprio because there are so many young players in that back end that need that tutelage, that need that experience and need that shoulder to lean on because um, there's going to be a very violent passing of the torch <clears throat> from upperclassmen to underclassmen. Guys that redshirted last year, some true freshmen, and, you know, guys that are just starting to, to take shape the ladder in their careers, guys like Braxton Clark and other players who have been around a while. So it's very important for those upperclassmen to kind of set the tone for, you know, what a, a black shirt secondary should look like. I think Lamar did a good job of kind of maybe setting that tone with the season that he put together, how that fit his story maybe coming in and as a highly recruited guy and thinking he was just going to be starter from day one and, a first-round draft pick in just a couple of years. That was, 
you know, couldn't have been further from how his journey went at Nebraska. And, you know, you look at how many of those true freshmen from last year that redshirted or, you know, guys that, that came out on the field, um, you know, need that, need that experience, need that voice. And, um, guys like Decap and, and Markel and Cam Taylor Britt, those are going to be the, the big voices in that room to, to help these younger guys along. What do you make of these little videos they're putting out, just highlighting individual guys? That's yeah, certainly different. It I is. think uh, I think that's that's the big thing right now with social media with with uh, with college football players. You know, you you follow any recruit that's getting attention and you know by this by this time everybody has every university has a social team every university has um you know somebody in the in the in the back putting out those those graphics that you see for offers those graphics that you see for um guys that are on on boards but you know what are you doing to be different um and separate yourself so you know what better way to and then to highlight some of your players and you know i think it's it's certainly unique because it's coming from the football offices. That's their guys doing it. They've got social media people that they've hired that, that put those out. I don't recall this happening in the past. I'm not opposed to it. And don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. I'm just – it's different. Like you said, it's just something we have not seen in the past. Uh, I've seen the two, Adrian and then Decap. Did they do one on Diedrich? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I, I, don't, I knew Adrian and now Decap's today, so they've done a couple of these – little bit different. I'll get Mitch Sherman's take on that when he comes uh, by for a visit here in a couple of minutes. The NFL Combine was over the weekend. You mentioned Lamar Jackson. He was there testing. What would you make of the performances of the four Huskers that were there? Well, I think the first thing that stuck out to me, and this is something we talked about a lot in previous years or previous months and the weeks leading up to the draft, that if Carlos and Khalil had the platform to show their athleticism, they would shine. And they would test extremely well, and they did. I mean, they they blew some of the numbers out of the water, and some of the fastest forty times ever by players of their size. Um, I thought it was it was what I expected, and even more the way that those guys performed. And even Darian Daniels, I thought, you know, showed some athleticism too. Lamar's vertical was off the charts. Uh, I know his forty time probably wasn't what what he had hoped for, but. Uh, to be able to jump like that at his size is, is definitely attractive. And um, I couldn't be more excited for the Davis Twins to to be able to put that type of athletic performance on. I think um, they're without question going to be selected in the draft now after what they did athletically. You look at how they performed their size, and, and you know they interviewed probably pretty well too. Um, I think they helped their cause tremendously. And, you know, Lamar's always been probably the most attractive draft pick, and I think he's probably still that after the draft. But I think the Davis Twins and even Darian, you know, helped themselves greatly with good performances this weekend. Yeah, I, I, I've, I felt like that the Davis Twins probably helped themselves the most, then Darian. And, and Lamar was probably last, but Lamar probably started at a higher spot. Um, I didn't love his 40 time. Now he has a chance to better that when they do the pro day here, which I'm sure he's going to come back and compete at that. But he probably needs to run a little bit better time in the 40 because the NFL puts a lot of stock into that at that position. You better be pretty quick. They do. And I think, you know, a lot of it too depends on what style of corner are the Buffalo Bills after? What style of corner are the San Francisco 49ers after? And you look at um, – you know each team's roster and it's it's not hard to think to see what types of bodies you're looking at you know Seattle 
when the Legion of Boom a few years ago, they wanted the Brandon Browners. They wanted the Richard Shermans. They wanted the guys that were 6'3", 6'4". Richard Sherman's not going to blow you away with his speed, but he's beyond physical at the line. They're going to jam the crap out of you, and they're going to make running routes on you very difficult. And I think that that was kind of their M.O., and they built a team around it. And um, I think that's that's probably going to be – the type of team that that picks Lamar somebody that maybe doesn't value the speed as much or need um you know a, a Tredavious White or need one of those guys that runs a 4-3-40 at corner to to be their guy uh but they can tolerate a bigger more physical corner that you know has good cover skills that isn't as fast and and maybe want to play matchups maybe they've already got one of those guys on their team and they need a complement to that um so it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up, uh, but corner's a valuable position. People are always looking for them, and Lamar is probably in a pretty good spot heading into the draft. You're going to hear a lot of NFL news in the coming weeks. Their free agency period opens up here. I think it's early next week that that happens, so you're going to hear a lot of buzz around the National Football League. Now that the combine is done, the NFL does a really good job of kind of staggering their big events the season then the combine, then the free agency period, then they release their schedule, then they have OTAs. I mean, they do a pretty good job of stretching their their year out uh, to uh, 12 months. But uh, those four Huskers now have wrapped up their work at the combine. The NF, the pro day at Nebraska is going to be coming up here in about a week. So all those guys will have a chance if they want to to come back and uh, do some more testing work for that. Some pretty good college basketball games on tap tonight involving Big Ten teams. Rutgers at home to Maryland. Maryland has a one-game lead in the league. Right now it's the Scarlet Knights up 9-4 to four early. Penn State has an early lead in their senior day event against Michigan State. They lead Sparty 12-9 to, uh, to nine currently in that game. Later tonight you've got Purdue and Iowa playing. A lot of jockeying on for the, the seeding for the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Nebraska not really in that discussion. Obviously they're going to be in that uh, bunny bracket game, the play-in game next uh, next Wednesday where they play two games, Nebraska's locked into that. What are the, the 13 or 14 seed? That could still change. Nebraska currently tied for 13th with Northwestern. The Cats have the tiebreaker because they won the two games head-to-head. But Nebraska with a win, it would be an upset if they go win on the road at Michigan on Thursday or at Minnesota on Sunday. But – Stranger things have happened. That could vault them up into that 13th spot in the tournament, which will get going a week from tomorrow in Indianapolis. That's the best place to have that conference tournament. I wish they'd kind of just anchor that baby in right there. So also some of the things we're dealing with here on the program tonight, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Maryland's lead's almost gone. If they don't win at Rutgers tonight, they're going to find themselves in a tie situation. There are five teams right now tied for second in the Big Ten race. It has been crazy this year. Crazy, not been surprising after even the first two or three games even in you know their first two two games in December you kind of knew everybody was that's right was one and one and the home team had won like the first 26 games or something like that and uh yeah we knew it was going to be a wild wild year in the Big Ten I don't know what that's going to mean come tournament tournament time in the NCAA tournament but it's made for a fun regular season that's for sure sure has been fun we'll keep following those scores here tonight on the program 
And all again, Will Bolt coming up at the top of the hour. Our baseball shows. Get your comments and questions ready for the head coach. Huskers back home for the next six beginning on Friday. 866-HUSKER-1, the number if you want to be a part of this one. When we come back, we'll chat with Mitch Sherman of The Athletic. That's straight ahead. You're listening to Sports Nightly. This is the Husker Sports Network. Tuesday night edition of Sports Highly here on the Husker Sports Network. And delighted to welcome on board the program, Mitch Sherman of The Athletic. It's been a little while since we've chatted with Mitch. Hello, Mitch. How you doing? I'm great. Good to, good to catch up with you. Um, you've had some... Studio in the uh, in the uh, downtown uh, last time we talked before uh, before uh, a game late in the year. I think it might have been the, op- yeah, the opening drive before... Was it the Iowa game? Maybe? I think it was. Yeah, it was, it was Black Friday. I remember coming in feeling a little... Uh, a little uh, under the uh, you know under the influence of, of my turkey leftovers. Well, that was about the last time Scott Frost met with the media, isn't it? <laughs> well, we've heard from him once since then, so you know you can't complain about that. Uh, yeah, it's been December eighteenth. That was a few weeks after, but uh, lots of questions to ask when he gets back with uh, with the media next Monday. You wrote a piece kind of about that a week ago. About uh, and I think it started off by the quiet speaks volumes. Um, What's the strategy behind this, do you think, for Nebraska to kind of just go dark here for the last 60 days? Yeah, I definitely think it is a strategy. I mean, you can say 60. It's cer- Certainly, it's been 60 since since the uh, – or a little more than 60 since signing day. Um, but I would even go back to the, the way that, the, that the, the tact that this program has taken, the strategy this program has taken since the end of the regular season. Um, you know, they had to do what they did on signing day, that was really an opportunity just to talk about those recruits. Really, there, there wasn't a whole lot of talk on December 18th about issues uh, involving the team. Uh, we remember some comments that Scott Frost made late in the season about, hey, we'll get to that when the time is right in the offseason. And, you know, we're kind of still waiting to hear about more about Adrian Martinez. And, you know, I don't think we will get a whole lot on exactly what Adrian dealt with. We heard a little bit about it in, uh, on, on the 18th of December. Um, I don't know that we'll get a whole lot more detail, but there were a few things, and it's almost hard to remember now what, what they were that Scott Frost wanted to wait until the season was over to address. So it's going to be a little strange to ask those questions in spring practice, but I, I think there are some things that need to be revisited from from the season. I, you know, I think the strategy is that that Nebraska understands that this fan base doesn't really want to hear about weight room accolades and you know talk about how the culture's turning. And it's going to be different this time, you know, and now we've got all of our guys. Uh, those are things that after two consecutive losing seasons under Frost and three overall that, um, you know, are starting to, uh, to wear a little thin, I, I think, with the general public. Um, to me, and what I've noticed this offseason in fans that I see around my neighborhood or around town, uh, wherever I go, is that, you know, they are kind of tired of the talk and they want to see results. And you know, I think Nebraska's taking a cue from, from them a bit in the way that they've approached this offseason. Um, on the flip side, uh, when you have things like what we saw yesterday with J.D. Spielman taking a leave of absence, uh, the, two, the two assistant coaching changes that have occurred, um, some of the other roster transactions that have happened, uh, in the absence of real information coming out, you know, questions being answered, you know, I, I think it creates – some uncertainty it creates even more questions 
and sometimes it, it almost looks worse than than it is with, with 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 what's going on inside. So it will be good, I think, for everybody, the, the program included, to uh, to get to a place next week where the coaches are back and and, and talking. Yeah, this, this phrase probably doesn't apply to Nebraska football, but there's an old saying: "Out of sight, out of mind." A little bit, and yeah. when you're not out there, people. I mean, and with the lack of success. Uh, you know, it, does Nebraska run a danger of that a little bit? You know, I don't know that Nebraska can ever get – well, I mean, you never say never. I don't think that's where Nebraska football is. Um, people are still going to want to – it's still a conversation topic. Um, I, that, that happens with other sports in Nebraska, for sure. I mean, I, I think um, outside of the incredible attendance with the basketball team, um, there, are, there are a solid 15,000, 16,000 people who want to go see basketball – but I do think you run into a situation sometimes with basketball in the off season or in a, in, a, in a season where they struggle like this, where it is out of sight, out of mind. I've never experienced that in my lifetime with Nebraska football. I've been around this program for, for a long time, and I've been around it in a, you know, in a professional way for a quarter century. And it's, that's never been, it's never been relevant with Nebraska football. People want to talk about it, whether they're 4-8 and eight or 13-0. and 0. And, um, you know, that's, that's obviously good for Nebraska. It, it, m- way more good than it is bad to have as much interest through the good times and the bad. Um, if, if you had real apathy where people just were like, all right, we're not hearing about them, so we're not thinking about them and we're not talking about them, I don't think that would be, that would be good at all for Nebraska, even in a time when it struggles. Busy with Mitch Sherman of The Athletic. Again, a terrific online publication that I would encourage all, everyone to – to go seek out and subscribe to just some terrific writing from coast to coast on sports around the world. In fact, uh, he covers Nebraska. The, you, you referenced the Spielman news yesterday. How big a surprise is that, and how nervous should that make Husker fans? Well, I, I think Husker fans should be nervous about it because I think there's, you know, there's so many, there's so much that we don't know about exactly why this went down, why this decision was made. Um, you know, we got the press release. We know he's got a personal health situation. Um, you know, I believe, uh, t- I take it at face value what Frost and what Frost said, you know, how the program feels about uh, expecting that he'll be back, about uh, his eligibility not being impacted. But, you know, what I keep coming back to, Greg, is, is that this is a, a really important time in the life of, in the life, and in the in the progress as a football player of J.D. Spielman and anybody who is heading into his senior year with aspirations to play in the NFL, um, you know he's got work to accomplish over this next year to get himself ready. And if he has reached a place where he's going to go away from his program. Away from be away from his teammates at this juncture with spring practice on the horizon, you know. Then I, then I don't think you can just say, "All right, everything's going to be okay in two months." I think there are some some things that some important things that need to be determined by him, with him and, and his family before he gets to a place where, you know, he says, "Okay, I'm I'm ready to come back." It's not just like, "Hey, I need a few weeks and I'll be okay." They need to they need to make some progress here in whatever it is that has gotten him to this place. So, um, you know, until they, until JD is, is back on campus and, you know, ready to go for the summer. Yeah. There's, there's real questions about what his availability is going to be. Uh, and if he's going to be a part of this program as a senior, at least the way I see it. 
It leaves them with four scholarship wide receivers for spring ball, so it's reminiscent of last spring when the running back position hardly had any bodies. How much does that stunt the growth in your mind for a program? Well, I mean, it can. can. And I I think looking back on what happened last year with the running backs in the spring, um, you know, Ryan Held did the best that he could, and they asked some guys to step up. Um, I think they asked Jalen Bradley to take a role that he had not had in his career. And what you saw by the end of the spring was Brody Belt carrying the load. Um, So they'll be in another situation this year in the spring with the receivers where they're going to ask some young guys who are talented and they have it in them to step up and play a role that they've not been asked to do before. And, you know, to me it comes down to about four freshmen, which is dicey, just in saying four freshmen. I don't think that Wandale Robinson is going to be asked to do a lot physically this spring. I don't think that Cade Warner is going to be asked to do a ton this spring. Now those guys can, and it's great to have them because they're both of them with their personalities um, and with their experience, you know, with their mentality about football, I, I think can be real, real leaders for the younger receivers in this program, but it's going to be up to Alante Brown, Demarion Houston, uh, Jamie Nance, and I think Chris Hickman, is, is, you can group him in there too. With, with Vokalek coming on at Travis Vokalek, the Rutgers transfer, coming on at tight end, you know, I think there's an opportunity now, especially with the, 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 the depth problem at wide receiver, to just go ahead and move Chris Hickman over to wide out in the spring. That may have been an, in, the, in the works anyway. He played some wide receiver late in the season last year when there were injury issues. But uh, now with this, with this latest development, you know, I say go ahead and, and, and give him every look you can at wideout. So those four guys have got a real opportunity, and there's five walk-ons too. Uh, maybe there's somebody in that group who would not get the reps that he's going to get this spring if Nebraska had a full complement of scholarship wide receivers, um, and, and you find a guy who can fit into your rotation come, come August. So and I wouldn't look at it all uh, from a glass-half-empty perspective. I think there's things that can happen over these next six or seven weeks that can help Nebraska in August, but obviously you don't want to be in this position with basically four guys who were recruited on scholarship to play uh, three wide receiver positions all through spring practice. They will be happy for sure, like they were a year ago when Diedrich Mills showed up. They'll be very happy when Omar Manning makes it, when Xavier Betts and Marcus Fleming and Will Nixon get to campus, but, um, you know, that's after the spring. Right. Again, Mitch Sherman with us from The Athletic. He's got a great piece up about spring ball. You also had a reaction piece up to the J.D. Spielman news here in the last 24 hours. I, I want to ask you, we've seen, we've seen the, the, the football social media group put out some just individual little clips, mm-hmm. and today they put one out on DiCaprio Boodle. I, I don't recall that happening before. What's, what's your thought on that? I know they had one on Adrian a week or so ago. What's your thought about on those things? Well, it's really different. It's really new. Um, you know, Nebraska's leading the way in college athletics and in and, and, and creating uh, some of that content. Um, you know, the, the, the big thing that you see there is that little logo at the end. And you know, I think some people look at it and they go, that's a cool highlight video. You know, it's kind of what we've seen before um, with, with schools and their digital teams putting things together. But if you watch those videos, you know, there's a, there's, there's a, 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 a brand in quotation marks at the beginning of it, whether it's Cam Juice with, with Cam Taylor Britt. Um, we had DiCaprio Boodle today. I don't recall what his, uh, what his logo was or what his phrase was, but there was a cool logo at the end of it. And, of course, 2 a.m. with Adrian Martinez. 
look, this is this is um, there, there's a lot that's going on in college athletics right now. And, and if you followed recruiting in the early signing period, you saw Oklahoma, Texas, and UCF lead the way in starting to develop this kind of stuff for some of the recruits who were coming into the program. Uh, they created logos for those recruits. And I know some people are out there are probably rolling their eyes and saying, hey, this is a team game. It's not me, me, me. You know, you, you, <laughs> if you're in that camp, I get it. But you kind of have to um, recognize where college sports is going. And there's legislation um, in states all over the country, including the state of Nebraska, to create a situation, create a system where players can, can profit off of their name, image, and likeness. And that is exactly what this logo stuff and this personal branding stuff is about. So it's interesting to see Nebraska leading the way. They're the first program, as you said, Greg, they're the first one that I know of that has done anything like this Mm -hmm. with some of its star players to create these kind of things. Down the road, I mean, right now, there's not an opportunity for Cam Taylor-Britt, Adrian Martinez, DiCaprio Boodle. I expect we'll see more of these things as spring practice gets gets going. Um, There's not an opportunity for these guys right now to sell T-shirts with their logos on it. But it may not be too far down the road. It may even be, you know, within the careers of Taylor Britt and Martinez that you'll see some of these opportunities. And if not, then they're paving the way for players to come after them. Who and Nebraska is is blazing that trail. So you can walk into the, the bookstore at the student union and you can buy that little juice box on on a shirt or a hat. And Cam Taylor Britt's going to get some of that. So um, that you know that's going to help your program in a lot of different ways for for Nebraska to uh, to be trailblazing the way that it is in, in that uh, in that area yeah great point well uh, we got will bolt coming in at the top of the hour we're going to see you at the ballpark at all this spring yeah absolutely i will be out there i mean i, I can't complain and about the uh, the weather right now so it's uh this is like april or may weather in, in march baseball weather so um if it stays like this i'll, I'll be out there very soon I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh coach bolt's team and, and i'm sure they are are excited uh when the opportunity comes to to get home and play at Haymarket Park. Yeah, no doubt. Mitch, we appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a good night. All right. Thanks, Greg. Mitch Sherman of The Athletic joining us on our Sports Highly Hotline brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto family, bringing you more choices in brands, locations, and service. Experience the difference. Purchase with confidence. This is Woodhouse. Great point by Mitch, Ben, about these the name, image, and likeness, NILs, what the, the abbreviated version of that is. And you've got the 2 a.m. for Adrian Martinez. It was a little ball cap, I think, for decap at the end of that video. This could be like – we could be in a whole new world here in the next year or two with college sports. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And you've got, you know, the growing age of YouTube and, and other ways for, um, you know, just people, not just college people, college athletes in general, but just any any ordinary human to express themselves, their creative views, whether it be through – um, you know, video games or, you know, other hobbies that they have away from the from the field. And I know that's been an issue in the past of having players or, you know, eligible athletes under the NCAA not be able to do that or, or accept any, um, you know, any type of, of profit or, again, to, to benefit from your name. Uh, but definitely, you know, I think seeing those strides in the future – and you know, see those those players be able to brand themselves is I think is is important. And you know, to see into the future really before it even happens, um, you know, I think there's a lot of strategy that that's going into that. And I don't think you know it's uh, this is happening by accident. No, I don't think so either. And you know, to to Mitch's 
kind of column about the silence and the cone of silence around the program. There's a strategy to that, and there's a controlling the message part of it and only allowing certain people to talk or limiting the number of interviews. It's it's certainly uh, uh, you know an interesting time at Nebraska and for college athletics as a whole. 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487. Tonight, it's the Nebraska Baseball Show, right here on the Husker Sports Network. Ball set, the 2-0. Bandrop hits one well to left. Backing up is Hover. He's to the wall. See ya! Leighton Bandrop, his first career home run, is a grand slam. And just like that, Nebraska has taken a 6-5 lead. An in-depth look at the Nebraska baseball program. 1-1 pitch. This ball is lifted high in the air to left field. Hover looking at it, battling the sun. And this is out of here. Joe Acker with a solo home run. With the head coach, Will Bolt. 0-2 pitch. This one's hit into left field. This one's setting Hover back. He looks up. This one is in the Husker bullpen. It is gone. Jackson Hallmark battling and battling and battling and finally gets a pitch he can drive, and he does so in those two runs that Nebraska gave up in the bottom of the seventh. They get him right back off the bat of Jackson Hallmark. Sponsored in part by your Midwest Ford dealers. Visit online at yourmidwestforddealers.com. Now here's your host of the Nebraska Baseball Radio Show, the voice of the Huskers, Greg Sharp. Thank you. Welcome. Our second baseball show of the year. Delighted to have the head coach in studio with us. The numbers, if you want to be a part of this one, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. You tired? I mean, that's three long <laughs> plane flights, bus on the bus to Waco. It's been a long couple of weeks, and you've played some quality teams to start this thing off. Yeah. No, uh, it, it's always, you know, you get back on, on Monday morning early. Um, I think I laid my head on my pillow at 2.30 a.m., uh, so, you know, yesterday you kind of try to get your legs back underneath you and, you know, our kids, they got to get up and go to class and try to get their bodies right. And, um, so yeah, we had a, we had a really spirited practice today and, you know, getting off the schneid and getting the win on Sunday against a really good team on the road. Uh, it's a good morale booster that way too. But, um, but yeah, it was a little, we were dragging a little bit Monday. Are you sure that was on the road? The, the, the amount of red in the stands all weekend was incredible, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And um, our guys were very thankful for the, you know, the support that they had. And I know I was, too, and, and my coaches were, too. I mean, Coach Harvell, this is kind of his first time to yeah. see Big Red, you know, up close and personal. And he's just blown away. I mean, we're at a top 10 program and our fans are louder. They're, they're outnumber the Arizona State fans. And, uh, man, it was special. Well, you, the bats really came alive. What what changed it, as you looked at it and review back now? What changed offensively on Sunday for the team? We were more aggressive. Um, we were more on point with our game plan. Um, it, the Friday and Saturday, we had a really good idea that they were going to attack with a fastball, which they did. Um, and, and we weren't nearly as aggressive as we needed to be. And uh, that's kind of been a a theme that we need to correct um, collectively as a group offensively is when we when we're aggressive in the zone, we hit extra base hits and we score runs and you know we put pressure up and down the lineup and um, you saw several guys up and down the lineup drive the ball um, and just more ready to hit just more and it's not like the guy we faced on Sunday was a slouch. I mean he's left-hander six six throwing ninety three miles an hour right out of the shoot. 
So it's not like the fastball was any different. It's not like the stuff was any different. Um, so it was just we were just more ready to hit. Um, and it was, it was, I mean, that was a big gut check win for us. The Big Ten honored Leighton Banjoff, freshman of the week. You've been pretty high on him going back to the fall. He, he'd gotten off to a bit of a slow start the first two weekends, but boy, did he come alive on Sunday. Yeah, he's shown some flashes. He's kind of done what, you know, freshmen do a little bit where you, you see there, there's talent there. He's had a game where he's had three hits. You know, I think it was the, the fourth game of the year against San Diego. Right. He had a three-hit game. He's had some games where he looked like a freshman a little bit. Um, just kind of trying to find his stride, too. I mean, I think the thing with him is just taking committed swings. Just when he's committed to what he's doing, he's a dangerous, dangerous hitter. And he got himself in a 2-0 count um, in that bases loaded spot, and he didn't miss his fastball. Were you surprised? Is the power there for him? You've seen him a lot more than we have through just nine games of the season. Does he have that ability to yeah. take it out? He's got the power. He's got the pop. I wouldn't say he's a power hitter. He, I think he's a hitter that can hit for power. Um, I think he's a 20 double guy, you know, um, just going to make consistent hard contact to both gaps. Um, but he's he's got strength and he's got bat speed. And like I said, when he when he takes a, a committed swing, um, when I say that, I mean, not caught in between, just like trying to cover both sides of the plate in two different speeds. You can't do that. You've got to be committed to the heater and then kind of react off of that on balance. And he he did just that. I mean, that that bat I was really proud of him is because he took he took two breaking balls uh, in in one of the at bats early on on um, on Sunday and then hit the fastball as soon as he got it so he didn't get slowed down sped up like he he didn't get caught in between he he was committed to his approach and and then that you know turned into a four hit game two home run game and obviously a, a huge part of our win another big day at the plate Sunday was by Spencer Schwellenbach who's been a tough luck hitter he's hit some yeah. rockets the first couple of weeks and. His average was dipping below 250 before yeah. Sunday. He Spence has hit the hardest 240 in the country going into Sunday. I mean, there, he hit a ball. I believe it was on Friday night. As soon as he hit it, we're we're high fiving in the dugout. I mean, and that never happens where you just assume a ball is going out of the park, especially in that yard. Like he he hit he hit it like he was supposed to hit it, and for it just died right on the track, and it was. He's hit a lot of balls hard. He's uh, he's swinging at the right pitches. Um, he he's kept a good attitude through it all. And I just kept we just keep reminding him like you're a great hitter. Like you're don't get down on yourself. Don't uh, you know feel like you know hey I keep hitting the ball hard. What else can I do? You just keep doing it. You know. And so he kind of got himself going with a two strike hit uh, in that big inning for us where he just kind of stuck the bat out and, and, you know, Torkelson had to dive for it and he beats the, the pitcher to the bag. So sometimes that's all it takes is just a little spark. He's due for some bleeders to yeah, drop in. He definitely I mean, was. It should even out over a 50 some game schedule yeah. that you've got coming up. Has he had, has the tough luck for him affected him in the field at all? Not at all. I mean, he's played an outstanding shortstop. I mean, I believe he's fielding over 950 now, you know, and he's making the routine plays. He's made some really good plays left and right. And he's really – what I've really been proud of Spence, like I said, he's had some tough luck, but he's he's kind of really developing the communication needed to be the general on the field as a shortstop. He's still, you know, he's still got, you know, some improvement to do that way too, but he's really taken that to heart just – not just being a shortstop out there fielding your position. You've got to kind of be keenly aware of what everybody else is doing, and he's he's taking that on. Another guy that looks like he's swinging pretty consistently for you is Cam Chick. Yeah, Chick got off to a bit of a rough start this weekend. Um, you know, Cam, when he starts trying to pull the ball all the time, he gets himself out. 
and when he stays big part of the field, he can drive the ball to the big part of the field. And, and we've seen that already this year. I mean, he's had some loud outs to center field and he's, you know, when he's really locked into the middle of the field, that's when he really drives the ball to his pull side gap. So he, he's got the bat speed to match anybody's fastball. He can pull anybody anytime he wants to. Um, but he's been he's been pretty consistent. He's been competitive, and he's done a nice job. He's a, is one of those leadoff hitters that you better not make a mistake to him earlier. He can hurt you. All right, you've finished the first nine games, all road games for you. You knew it was going to be a challenging schedule. As you look back at it, your thoughts about where you sit now as you get ready to come home for six games? Yeah, I feel like um, outside of the Friday game at Arizona State, we've been right there to win. Um, even, I mean, that's odd to say in a 14-1 to loss on Saturday, but it's... 3-1 in the bottom of fifth. Right, and we yeah. really should have been off the field at 2-1 to probably. Um, so, you know, it, it, you're right there in the middle innings. It's just a matter of finishing off and um, really probably... You finish off the Baylor game on Saturday. You finish off the seven nothing nine to four lead against San Diego. You're four and five, feeling you know quite a bit better about things. But again, you're right there in every game. And like I said, we've led in every game but one, and we've been right there to to win. And that's what was so positive about Sunday was you get down five nothing. It's easy just to just to completely feel sorry for yourself and say, hey, we've lost seven in a row. Like, this is, you know, this team's just better than we are. Let's just go home and lick our wounds. But our guys had said enough's enough, and they came back and, and really responded. Yeah, that well, was an impressive victory, again, over a team that's ranked in the top 15 in the country. Coach Bolt with us until the top of the hour. Here are the numbers, 866-HUSKER-1, 866-487-5371. Let's go to Plattsmouth. Drew, you're up first tonight. Welcome aboard. Hey, Coach, I just had a quick question on uh, Kate Povich. Just looking at his stats, he has a really high strikeout rate. He just puts guys down, and then he doesn't. He throws a lot of strikes as well. He rarely walks guys. But then around that, it seems like he gets uh, hit pretty hard and, and gives up quite a few runs. So, like, how do you – so he clearly has some pretty electric stuff, and he throws strikes. So how do you make him more consistent to where he's, you know, turning in, like, more dominant performances on the mound where he's not giving up? as many runs as he's been doing. So I'll just uh, hang up and listen. Thank you. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, he does have a very odd stat line if you look at it. And the, the ERA is more inflated now. I mean, he had an ERA, I believe, under three going into the you know this start. So he's been bit by the home run bug a little bit. Like when he gets when he gets hit, it's uh, you know it's it's been an extra base hit or a home run. So that. That cost him um, all three runs in the in the outing that he had against Arizona a week ago, um, and then you know it was a really offensive day on Sunday. He left a couple balls up. Really, with Cade, he it's just going to come from uh, a continuation to work hard in the weight room and his with his nutrition so he can maintain his velocity throughout the game because he's he's more 88 90 early when he's getting a lot of the punch outs and when the velocity dips a little bit, they don't have to uh, quite be quite as keenly aware of the heater. Um, it's more 86 at times. So um, we just got to continue to work with him to, you know, keep working hard in all facets. Where, and he does. I mean, it, this is not a kid that's going to take it lightly in anything that he does. I mean, he works extremely hard. He just kind of got one of those bodies that's, you know, he, he, he can stand to put on probably another 10 pounds, and that's something that um, – 
you know, if he can make some more competitive pitches in the strike zone when his when his velocity is not as good, um, that's that's going to help him too. You needed a, some innings out of him, yeah. right? As much as you used the bullpen Friday Saturday. Yeah, with uh, you know with we're a little bit down on the staff, you know, with Stro, you know, not making the trip right. with us, and then. You know, we made kind of a late ad uh, with a with an arm that we took with us. Uh, I've never been part of a weekend where you use every guy that you take. That that rarely happens. So um, I think he he took it on his shoulders. He knew that we needed some innings out of him, and it's not an easy thing to do as a pitcher when you're giving up some runs to stay out there and just keep competing and just keep getting after it and. I, the thing that was really cool to see was we're up, I believe it's 15 to eight at the time, but it, the way the field was playing on Sunday, it didn't feel, you know, like a seven run game. And he gets the punch out with a runner at third and he comes off pretty fired up. He knows that he gave his team a big lift right there to get, get to the point of the game that he got to. What'd you make of Paul Tillotson's appearance? He then came in after Cade exited. Yeah, I thought Paul was fearless. Um, and it's what we saw from him, you know, his first outing. I thought he looked good. And it's just kind of another guy that we weren't quite sure what we were going to get this year. He's coming off an injury. Um, he's been bit by the injury bug a bit during his career here. So we had we didn't see him in the fall at all. He's been rehabbing, um, throwing bullpens. And, you know, first live outing we saw was a little bit like Kyle Perry right before the season started. You know, he had a couple live outings and that was it. So not quite sure what we're going to get there. And, um, he just kind of kept showing, like, hey, I'm going to throw strikes. I'm going to be around the zone. And he's added a two-seamer that's kind of helped um, get him off the barrel a little bit. So um, I think he's been he's been really good, and that gave us, you know, a huge lift to get us into the ninth inning. He's pitched a lot in college, too. So yeah. he's been around a while. So he shouldn't be in awe of many situations. Right, yeah. And he's bouncing back from a little bit of a tough year last year. And so, you know, the confidence, you kind of wonder sometimes where that's going to be. But he hasn't buckled at all. He has not wavered at all from what he's doing. And um, he's made a lot of uh, good pitches for us. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Grand Island. Greg, you're up next with Coach Bolt. Hey, thanks, Coach Bolt. Welcome back to Nebraska. First of all, I haven't had a chance to talk to you yet. You. Um, my question is just around pitching. Like a lot of people, I'm sure, it, I mean, we had a couple pretty rough goes there. What? Give us a couple bright spots and a couple guys who we think you can bring along quicker than maybe you'd like to to really help us out, especially as we get a little further down the road, getting into Big Ten territory. Obviously, I think from the hitting side, it looks like we can be pretty, pretty competitive and pretty encouraged, but you can't, you know, you can't ask you guys to put up 12 runs every night to expect to win. So I'd just like to hear your comments on a couple bright spots to look for and maybe a couple guys you think we can bring along a little quicker maybe to help us out because we're, it looks like we're going to need. And I'll hang up and listen. Thanks. Okay. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a good question. Um, so we – I think, uh, you know, Braxton Bragg is a, a kid that uh, had a good fall for us and, sh and showed a lot of promise um, in his outings. And um, he had a bit of a setback in the fall, just kind of a lingering injury. Not, I wouldn't even say injury, just a, something he was dealing with coming out of high school that we ended up having to shut him down after the fall. So he didn't really get to make his pro full progression in the offseason like a lot of these guys did. And we really wanted to stretch him out to be a potential starter. Um, we felt like he had that kind of makeup and that kind of stuff um, to be able to do that. So I think he's one. He had a rough first outing. Um, 
in the I think it was the first game of the year when we had scored all the runs and um, he had a rough first outing I thought his outing on Friday night at Arizona State was a lot better he made a, he made some good pitches there and we were ready to put him in the game on Sunday as well um, so he's a guy that that I do feel like um, can kind of stretch to get some outs for us uh, if we can continue to stretch him out Kyle Perry um, another one that we he's had two really good outings the outing got away from him um, on Saturday in the lopsided game but another guy that he, he's got experience and he's he's super competitive and he's got good stuff and um, I think he's a guy that again we didn't get to see in the fall so we didn't really know how he's going to bounce back from his thing that he was dealing with with his arm so um, he's a guy that we can stretch out now a little bit more he's thrown three outings he's gotten up to you know 40 to 60 pitches is probably where he could be right now he's a guy that I feel like has got what it takes um, you know from a mentality standpoint and from just a stuff standpoint um, I think a, a guy that we can stretch out a little bit we touched on Paul Tillotson I think he's shown that he's he's got the ability to get some big outs for us Sayer Diedrich, we saw for the first time. Um, he came in with the bases loaded and Spencer Torkerson at the plate. And so not an ideal situation for him. It's not what we wanted to do, but it just the game situation kind of dictated that. Um, he didn't buckle. I was proud of, you know, the it wasn't a perfect outing for him, but he wasn't scared. He was ready to compete. So there's some young guys in there. Um, they're all young guys for the most part that, that were, uh, you know, trying to bring along a little bit and and Shea Shanneman again is a guy that I have a lot of belief in and his teammates do too and um, you know it's just a matter of him having some success again and just remember that he's a good player and uh, I just love him as a competitor and he's you know I'll say this like he cares so much that like when he blew the first save I think he just really took that on his shoulders quite a bit and I've had some conversations with him I know coach Christie has too where Hey man, you're one of your best strengths is that you're a stud competitor. You know, you have good stuff, but you you believe in your stuff so it plays up and when you're a little bit doubtful of what you're doing, it's not as good and the hitters can kind of sense that. So, he's a guy I expect to get going um real soon and um so there's some guys in there that that can, you know, they just we got to keep getting better and a lot of these guys have yet to do it at this level. Um, but, you know, we just got to keep bringing them along. With four games this weekend, two midweeks, and four – we're going to hear all these we'll names. All of them again. Yeah. I mean, we're going to – again, Quinn Mason's one I didn't bring up, but he's a guy that has got a good arm, been up to 93. Um, so, uh, freshman, you know, so he's – you know, he's going to factor in too. Back for hour number three, Sports Hot. I hope you enjoyed last hour with the head baseball coach in studio. Always fun to talk some ball. going to be fun to be at Haymarket Park over the weekend. He mentioned some pretty good weather on tap for the weekend. A little cool on Sat on Friday, saying 57 for the high, but if it's not too windy, that'll be okay. And then in the 70s for Saturday and a Sunday for those games, and then Northern Colorado in next week. Boy, what a turnaround. In State College, we told you at the end of hour one, Penn State was up 15 at the half. They're now down seven inside the last minute of the game. What a turnaround for the Spartans. I don't know what's – what's happened to him in the last 10 minutes or so. But when I looked up, Lamar Stevens was 0 for 11 from the floor. Wow. That didn't happen very often. He's going to the free throw line now. So 
That does not happen very often. And Rutgers about to knock off Maryland, so you're going to have a tie for first in the Big Ten Conference after tonight's matchups with a game to go in the league. The Huskers back in action again on Thursday night against the Michigan Wolverines. It'll be a night game. We'll knock Sports Nightly off. All right, coming up this hour, we'll have our top ten Tuesday here in just a moment. And Kevin Suits will join us later in the hour, the sports director from 1011 Sports here in Lincoln. Right now, though, let's top ten it. Think them up. We count them down. It's Top 10 Tuesdays on Sports Nightly. Well, spring football starts next Monday, and we, this is kind of a yearly Top 10 list, right? We've kind of, I think, done this the last four or five years. Who are we looking forward to seeing during spring practice, <laughs> right? Yeah, and I think my list is a little more open to interpretation this year, especially with the news to... J.D. JD Spielman, so, you know, interested, intrigued, but importance, I think, too, was a big word for my list. No doubt. I think we're going to have some different names with the four of us doing this. And, yeah, we got four. We got the two of us, Tim and Austin, both have their lists prepared and ready to go. So, Ben, lead us off. All right. Uh, My number 10 is a guy that wouldn't have been on my list had we done this 48 hours ago, but now is on my list because he's one of the few guys that – will be out there at the wide receiver position. So I start with offense. I'm going Jamie Nance here at number 10. Spent a redshirt year. Uh, Again, the guys on my list aren't guys that I'm expecting to have a huge impact or be Nebraska's best players, but just in terms of intrigue, reps, what the coaches are saying about them, all those good criteria for me, and Jamie Nance fits all of those. Very good. Redshirt freshman from Oklahoma. There you go. All right, Tim. My number 10, I'm going to start out uh, a little bit outside the box. I'm going to go with Ty Robinson. He only played in a couple games last year. But to me, he's a guy who obviously the coaching staff loves him. You know, there's that story about the whole camel thing, (laughs) which was interesting out of uh, Gilbert, Arizona. But I think the reason why I'm interested in seeing Ty Robinson play, not just because he's 6'6", 315, but um, he does seem to fit that kind of 3-4 kind of end uh, that Nebraska is looking for. And, you know, the Huskers had to do a little bit of um, kind of gimmicky stuff last year where you're playing guys not really out of position but you know a guy like Ty Robinson kind of fits the mold more um certainly for, at least in terms of the coaching staff I don't know how much he's going to play in 2020 I really don't um but I'm really excited to see you know if he can provide any type of edge rush at all he'll be invaluable so Ty Robinson my number 10 okay Austin had two underclassmen so far I'm going to go to an upperclassman but he wears number two I've got Caleb Tanner an outside linebacker Nebraska desperately needs some production out of that spot I'm waiting to see if Caleb Tanner can finally deliver on his promise, all of his potential. If not, there are some young guns behind him who certainly will. So I think this is a big year for Caleb Tanner. We've been waiting for that guy for two years, haven't we, Ben? I mean, he just looks the part. You're like, you cannot be a bust. You look too good. Yeah, been waiting waiting for that to turn, and you hope it's this year. Yeah. All right, my number 10, I'm going offensive line. I'm going Brant Banks here. Brant Banks, big six foot seven, 300-pounder out of Houston when he was signed. They thought maybe he'd be a defensive lineman. They really have a need for tackles. He came on strong at the end of the fall camp, was doing really well in their Sunday scrimmages. He'll have a, he'll have a chance, I think, to become part of that too deep along the offensive line. So I'm anxious to see Brant Banks during spring ball. All right, on to number nine. I'm going D-line here with number nine and with the departure of uh, the Davis Twins and, and Darian Daniels, there's going to be openings for slots, and this is another guy that's kind of waiting to take that next step, and he's going to be one of the ones that gets the first crack at it. I'm going DeAndre Thomas here at number nine um, to see what he can do on a more consistent level and 
Um, you know, can, can, can he be that guy that you rely on uh, not just a third down or a specific down, but an every down type of player? You know he's going to play. He's been in the rotation the last couple of years, so you know he's going to be a, be a factor. My number nine, I've got Cade Warner. Um, and this is kind of a make-or-break year for Cade. You know, he had a role in the offense last year, if only out of necessity. Well, of course, this year, uh, you wouldn't have thought there would be a need there, but now with J.D.'s status kind of up in the air and there really not being that many receivers, um, I'm just curious to see, is Cade going to get much of a look this year? Now, um, you assume he'll get some just because there's a need, but you, you never know. So uh, Cade Warner might be the guy that Nebraska needs to rely a lot on in 2020. I don't think there's any doubt. With last lack of scholarship guys, he'll get a ton of reps. He would have been out there Spring. a lot last year had he been healthy, but he just couldn't find his right. way consistently on the field. One guy who couldn't find his way on the field because of transfer rules is my number nine. Travis Vakolik is a tight end, the offensive scout team MVP last year. I'm interested to see if he'll be able to come in and shake up that tight end rotation. I already like what Nebraska has at tight end with Jack Stoll and Austin Allen, Kurt Raftall, a guy with potential but buried behind those two. So I'm interested to see just how good Vakolik is. Can he compete for meaningful reps? What's his role in that room? He's a big dude. Can't miss him. I think he's going to be extremely solid in the blocking game for Nebraska at that tight end spot. All right, my number nine, I'm going with a true freshman here. Blaze Gunnerson, the young man from Iowa, going to be out that outside backer position, now coached by Mike Dawson. Um, this kid was an incredibly good athlete in high school. I mean, Nebraska's really happy to get him. I think they really feel like he's got a good motor, a lot like Garrett Nelson, but maybe he's even a little bit more athletic than Garrett Nelson. So I think Blaze Gunnerson going to be a guy to keep an eye on this spring. Health for me is a is a big thing with him. Yep. Can, can he stay healthy? He's, he's one of those guys that have battled injury already before he even gets to college. My number eight, uh, I'm going with a guy that came in highly touted, was a big cherry on top to the recruiting class a year ago. Into the back end, I've got Noah Pola Gates here at number eight. He was a, a young man that tried to crack the, the lineup in special teams, and uh, unfortunately with uh, the, the depth and um, personnel that they had at safety he just wasn't quite ready to to crack the mold uh, as a true freshman but highly touted guy plays bigger than his size mm -hmm. I think there's going to be a role for him this year maybe in a nickel or dime situation and and maybe even at safety too so I got Noah Pole Gates here at number eight and and probably one of those guys that you can almost plug into some special teams play too yeah. you're gonna have to be out there to make some plays and I think he's going to be one that will because they're not trying to protect a red shirt correct they did that I mean hopefully the the special teams personnel just as a whole gets better I know it was a good shout, uh, but my number eight, I had to put Chase Contreras on here. Of course, the sophomore Juco transfer out of Iowa Western. Kicker got a lot more interesting with the departure of Matt Walduck and Barrett Pickering. So uh, Contreras would seem to be the heir apparent at that title. He uh, was an All-American, or second team, I should say, second team All-American in the NJCAA. Went 15 for 18, and the 47-yarder was his longest um, back in 2019. So uh, should be, I mean, as long as he can put the ball through the uprights, Husker fans should be happy. But uh, obviously, there'll be a lot of eyes on him uh, come spring a lot of pressure I mean you're coming in and you know it's it's different kicking at the Juco level than it is in front of 90,000 Memorial Stadium so yeah that's a good one to put on number eight for me has already been mentioned Ben had it at number 10 Jamie Nance can he seize the opportunity in front of him I'll be watching that this spring all right my number eight I'm going another newcomer junior college linebacker Va Clements who the story on Vaught Clements is, is Nebraska really wasn't recruiting him. And then LSU was. And Bill Bush, who's a Nebraska native, was on the Bill Callahan staff, now on the LSU staff, called Nebraska and go, 
we really like this guy. We don't have room in our class for him. You might want to take a look. Nebraska did like what they saw and got him in there. He's going to fit in that inside linebacker spot. Can he make a dent? So I'm going to see what kind of playmaker he is. Um, he's been impressive in their winter conditioning drill. So what is Vaughn Clements able to do? Imagine what this story is going to be like if he turns into an all-conference type player at the end, you know, where he's at. And the part that's going to make that story even better was he's a guy that's had to add 20 to 30 pounds right. to even be physic- in a physical enough shape to, to come to this level. You know, he was one of those hybrid tweener safety linebacker type guys, and so he had to go put on a ton of weight to even be at a, a spot where he could compete at linebacker. So that, that would add to his lore a bit as well. On to number seven here, I'm going to another guy we saw very little of last year, but again, with the departures on the defensive line, he could be one that gets the first look, and now that Coach Duvall has had some time to whip him into game shape, I think athletically he could be the best guy Nebraska has on the D-line. I'm going Keem Green at number seven. Um, got to see him very little last year. It was, it was clear he was not quite in the shape that he needed to be in to compete at the level, but a little unfair because he came in so late. So what does he do with a year under uh, under Coach Duvall, and can he be the athlete that is dunking and flip-flops and doing backflips uh, at his size? We'll see. Uh, my number seven, I've got Luke McCaffrey here. Um, I mean, because who isn't more excited to see uh, more of him? Now, I'm under no illusion. This is not a quarterback battle situation. Adrian has a starting job. That's his. Um, but I, I'm really curious to see, are they going to involve Luke at all? Um, you know, like we saw in the Iowa game, every quarterback had some offensive set for them, essentially. And so I want to see, is Luke going to have any of that in the spring? Um, are they going to try lining him up at receiver again, like we saw a little bit um, at, at Maryland? So I don't know. I, I'm really curious. I mean, he's a guy who can really do it all. And of course, he was stick thin last year. I want to see if he put some some pounds on and got a little bit bigger. But uh, Luke McCaffrey is a guy you just can't wait to see more of. Would you buy or sell that Scott Frost gets asked that question Monday? That might be one <laughs> that of the he's going to play wide receiver. Might be one of the first three questions. Yep. <laughs> so you're buying. It might be one of those situations that the reporter doesn't want to single Luke out, and it's a generic. Are you thinking about moving any guys to wide receiver? <laughs> thinking specifically of Luke McCaffrey while they ask it. All right, number seven for me is on the defensive side. I go to Braxton Clark here. Can he step up across from DiCaprio Boodle, replace Lamar Jackson? We saw him some last year. Didn't do anything spectacular, but was solid. He was perfectly fine. So I want to see if he's able to make a leap and play at a Lamar Jackson-esque level this year. I'm encouraged. I, what I saw Braxton last year, I liked. I think he's going to be okay in that spot, but that's a good one to put on there. I'm going that defensive secondary as well. And this is a young guy that I was so excited about a year ago when he signed. Then he had injury issues, but I've got Miles Farmer here at number seven. I just think there's a lot of that. I know the coaches really think highly of him, but he's got to stay healthy. He's got to be able to get out there and compete. But I think there's something special in Miles Farmer. See if maybe we can see some of that here this spring. I left him off only knowing how much you like him, and I knew you'd put him on, and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't want to double it up. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would agree. There's a lot of intrigue with me. And throw, throw uh, Quentin Newsom's not on my list, yeah. but you could throw him on there too. Um, again, when we talked about earlier in the show about, you know, DCAP having to be kind of a vocal leader, Markel and Cam Taylor Britt, these are the young guys that we're talking about that are going to have to carry the torch here very soon. Uh, all right, on to number six. My number six was a guy that, again, when he signed, I was real excited that Nebraska got him, but was kind of a ghost last year. And one of the forgotten guys at the linebacker position, that's Jackson Hanna. Are you going to take any steps forward to, to, to grab some reps that are so readily available four middle linebackers Jackson was a guy that I think we all thought maybe he was closer to playing than he really was it didn't really sound like 
Uh, he was pushing for time a whole lot. So does he take any steps forward this spring, and can he get his name in that mix and you know jump some of the former walk-ons and walk-ons of this program that seemingly had passed him? So I think it's a big spring for Jackson Hanna. My number six is a guy that's already been mentioned. Ben, I think you brought him up already, but Jamie Nance. Um, yeah, it goes without saying. We've already hit on the depth issues at wide receiver, but you know, a guy that I would have put on here would have been a guy like Darian Chase, but obviously with him out of the picture – uh, you go out, you have to go to Jamie Nance. And so he's a guy who I assume is going to get some playing time in 2020 and, and could be a major factor. My number six, I go back to the linebackers like Ben, but I got Nick Henrich here. Uh, it's a big spring for him after missing last year with that shoulder injury. Uh, he was being considered for playing time, but how does he come back from that? Does he factor in at all in that middle linebacker conversation? I'm right with you. I have Henrich at six as well. Once he got healthy mid-October, he, he, turned, he opened some eyes with the coaches, but by that point they're like, yeah, we're not going to burn this red shirt. We're going to save him. But I think he'll get in there. I think he will be right there along with Colin Miller and Will Honus. I think he's going to fight for some play, serious playing time next fall. My number five is a, was my sleeper of my Super 6, and I don't know that he would have been on my list. He might have cracked maybe the 10th or 9th spot, but again with the, with the depth at wide receiver, I've got Elante Brown true freshman here at number five and my comment here is okay what can you do for us freshman um i mean it's not really fair for to say put the pads on and and go give us a bunch of reps but here we are and you know if if they say he does some wandale like things and the way that he moves and his athleticism you know if he can be a fraction of that and be on the field all spring it could be a is, huge marker for him is that that wild though with with what Wandale did as a true freshman what Rondale Moore did it Purdue as a true freshman I think you could do that if, yeah. at that position especially if you're getting as many reps as you could physically Correct. handle and that's yeah. going to be the case with Elante Brown uh, my number five, I've got Ramir Johnson. Running back's another position, really, kind of like wide receiver, where you have one guy who you know is, is going to get a lot of reps, and that's Dietrich Mills, a running back, and then a lot of question marks. And obviously, Ryan Held likes to use as kind of a stable of running backs. And so a guy like Ramir Johnson played in four games last year uh, would seem to be a natural fit to be a guy who's kind of a change of pace back. Because um, obviously, Mills can't do it all. You can't just give Mills the ball 40 times a game. Uh, someone else has to kind of shoulder the load. And so I think that Ramir Johnson would be a good candidate to do that. Uh, curious to see how he does in the spring. Really thought he was misused last year. You get the four games, fine. But two of the four games, he really didn't even one get play. To, yeah, one, of them. one play. Um, that, that, was a, that was a mistake that the coaches made last year is the way they handled Ramir Johnson. It sure would have been nice, Ben, to have him for a – the Iowa game, the uh, full Iowa game. Yeah. And sure by then would. he'd used the four and he was done. Mm-hmm. All right, number five for me is Cam Jurgens. You know, last year this time he was just learning the position uh, and then still into fall camp, obviously. He got much better as the season went on. I uh, praise the work that he did. Uh, but can he take that, take that next step, communicate even more than he did last year, be even more of a, you know, a road grader, pave the way for the running backs? I'm interested to see just how big a step Cam Jurgens has taken here. Yeah, no doubt. My five, I line up with Ben. I've got Elante Brown here. Scott Frost said on the television show last month, fastest guy on the team. Okay, you got my attention. Let's go. Yeah, let's go see what you can do. All right, my number four, Tim had him early on his list. Uh, I mean, I, I just realized how many D linemen I have here. I got Ty Robinson here at number four. Uh, again, a guy that was limited because of wanting to, to hold on to some snaps and you know to, to kind of turn that page now and set him loose with so many departures up front. 
And part of the reason why I have so many D linemen on here is because I think that race is wide open. Yeah. I think there are so many spots open and snaps to be had that, um, you know, this spring could be huge for who's out there that first game on, on fall one against Purdue and, you know, taking those snaps. So um, I think all the three guys that I mentioned on here have a shot to do it, Ty Robinson being one of them. Uh, my number four, I'm not sure if he's already been mentioned or not, but I've got Demarion Houston, another receiver, and don't want to beat a dead horse, but obviously depth's an issue. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think he actually committed on National Sign Day last year in February, so he was kind of a late addition to the class. And now you're looking at you know a, him who will probably have to be a, a pretty big factor, at least in the spring, and, and if, if not uh, as the season progresses. Guy can really fly. Call him Peanut. Number four for me, I'm – Glad I had the same thought that you did, Ben. Alante Brown, can you take the Wandale route? That's just the one comment I have about him. Chances are going to be there. Can Nebraska, you know, find magic two years in a row? And, again, with the, the news of J.D., all of a sudden there may be some real snaps at that position along the offensive line. All right, my number four has not been mentioned. I go back to the offensive line. I had Brant Banks at 10. I've got Bryce Benhart here at four. The, the monster of a man from Minnesota. We were hopeful last year maybe as a true freshman he could get himself ready to go to maybe get some more snaps at right tackle. Wasn't quite ready yet, but now with a full year to percolate and get in that weight room and get stronger, can he grab a hold of one of those tackle spots that might allow Matt Farniak to slide into a guard and all of a sudden you'd be better along that offensive line. So what kind of spring can Ben Hart have? I've got him here at four. All right, on to the top three. My three was mentioned by Austin all the way back at seven. Someone's got to replace Lamar Jackson. I truly think Braxton Clark's that guy. I, I was really impressed with what I saw from Braxton. He's long. He's rangy. I think his coverage skills have improved tremendously. I think his confidence has improved tremendously. Um, he, he took a lot from Lamar. Lamar kind of took him under his wing. They're similar statures and bigger guys. And, and Braxton really took two. Um, Lamar's story about you know coming in here thinking you're going to run the show and running into some troubles. Braxton wasn't quite as highly recruited as Lamar was, but kind of the same thing. He thought he, you know college would be a lot easier than it was. Um, They're from opposite coasts, one from mm-hmm. Florida, one from California. But I think he learned a lot from Lamar, and I think he's kind of ready to, to take that step up. And I would be shocked if it wasn't him on the other side of decap to start this thing. Agreed. My number three, I've got Cam Jurgens, the guy that's already been mentioned. Um, and, you know, it goes without saying, obviously, at the beginning of the year last year, he really struggled. But I think he kind of came into his own a little bit as the season went on, as he got more comfortable. And, of course, it's always tough. You know, he got grabbed from tight end and got pushed to center. And they obviously really, really love his explosiveness, his ability to kind of get off the ball after he snaps it. And there's a lot of faith that Frost and, and company are putting into the interior of the off the line. And Cam's going to have to kind of anchor that. So if he has a good spring, that'll be a great uh, kind of foundation for the fall. Bronze medalist for me has been mentioned a couple times. Ty Robinson, he held up pretty well last year against Wisconsin as a freshman. That's a good sign. You know, if you can come in against number 15, Wisconsin, and that offensive line they always have, and, you know, hold your own. Didn't do a whole lot of note, but he wasn't pushed around. He wasn't a glaring weakness. That's a good sign. Another offseason in the weight room. Can he, you know, show more of that pass rushing skill? He'll have the chances. I'm with you. I've got Ty Robinson at three. All right, my number two, I'm not quite to now or never, but I'm getting running thin uh, uh, on the thin side of the book. There's only a few pages left. That's Caleb Tanner. Time to show me something. Time to get out there, get healthy, turn that corner, and not just be a guy that's playing, but a guy that has an impact and a guy that you have to prepare for and prepare around. That's the type of recruit that he was uh, picking us over, over Tennessee and Florida and Auburn, you know, getting him was huge that was a one of the biggest signs of that class 
And, you know, I've yet to see it from him. It, injuries have, have played an issue, but started play more snaps last year. Um, I need more impactful plays out of Caleb Tanner. I think this spring's huge for him. I got him at number two. Good. My number two, a guy that's already been mentioned, uh, Travis Vokalek, or Vokalek, however you want to pronounce that last name. Um, you know, the tight end room is, is a pretty crowded one, but there's still, I think, um, as kind of evidenced by last year, there's still room for someone to kind of grab that um, by the horns. Right now it's Jack Stoll, but but I think Travis with the Big Ten experience, granted it is Rutgers experience, but still that's something, you know. Um, he has a, a really opportunity to make an immediate impact. He's a junior and, and, and can play finally now in 2020 after having to sit out last year so i'm curious to see what uh, what travis could do i think that position's in good yeah. shape I mean, coach austin allen can play i mean that, that's a good position yeah all right two and one for me are in my estimation the two most important players for nebraska this year two might be a little bit surprising but i've got wandale robinson up here at number two you know obviously he's a bit of a known commodity played a lot last year very exciting but how does nebraska use him i think his best role is as more of a receiver type and a running back you know if you need to change the pace but how does Nebraska use Wandale Robinson how are some new ways they get him the ball plus he's just fun to watch you always want to have your eyes on that guy he's going to do something special okay my number two has been mentioned Keem Green uh, got a pass last year because Nebraska was had enough bodies big bodies up there and as Ben mentioned wasn't ready to roll now it's his time. This was a junior college All-American. A lot of the SEC schools wanted him. Nebraska won the battle for him. Now it's time for him to step up and be a major playmaker along that offensive line. What kind of spring does he have? I'm going to be watching. I think he's more than capable of doing it. My number one, Greg, you mentioned at number four. I got Brace Benhart here at number one, and I think part of the reason why he's so high for me and number one on my list because he could completely single-handedly change the way Nebraska's offensive line looks week one. If he's able to get the reps and take over that right tackle spot, Nebraska is leaps and bounds better up front than they are right now. And I think everyone wants to talk about O-line all the time. Everyone wants to talk about how good is the O-line, is pipeline back. The, well, if Bryce Benhart can step in and take hold, hold of that right tackle spot, people are going to be pretty pretty pleased with what they see up front. I'm not worried about Jurgens. I'm not worried about Hymas. And I think you know Farniok has a, has a chance to be more comfortable as well. Ben, if Ben Hart can step in, you get Hickson and Wilson battling for that last guard spot. Every Everybody's better. It's a win-win-win all the way around. So Ben Hart for me, number one. Okay. My number one's the same as Greg's. I've got Keem Green, and obviously he wasn't 100% ready to go last year. He got a little bit of action, but having been kind of joined late to the party, it wasn't going to be a starter by any stretch. So uh, it, it, this will be huge. Like like Greg said, you know, he had a chance to go to the SEC. Nebraska um, was able to grab him, and, and, you know, he's got a huge, huge upside, so excited to see what he can do. My number one, where's number two? Adrian Martinez. For me, this is a no-brainer. You know, how healthy does he look? Does he look like freshman year Adrian? How is his chemistry with these young receivers? Is that building? Obviously, his head's going to be in the right spot. He's going to say the right things. A very mature guy, but you want at quarterback. I'll be watching Adrian Martinez this spring. My number one is Ramir Johnson. One of you guys had him earlier. I just uh, We were teased by him just a little bit last year. I think he was making progress. He's got the speed. He's got the ability, I think, to be... A guy that could go a long ways if you give him a crease to go. I think he could be a big playmaker and take some load off of Diedrich Mills, but he's got to step it up here in the spring because there's two freshmen coming this summer that are going to push him a lot in Morrison and Scott. I think it's a big spring for Ramir, see if he can be the number two guy or not. No doubt. I mean, we're different on plenty of them. Yeah. We're back on a Tuesday night sports highlight here on the Husker Sports Network and delighted to be joined now by Kevin Suits of 1011 Sports, sports director for 1011. 1011, one of our television partners here 
at the Husker Sports Network. Kevin, appreciate you taking some time to be with us tonight. I know it's a really busy time of the year for you guys. You got state tournament starting on Thursday for girls basketball, district play for boys basketball year. You guys are rocking and rolling this time of year. Yeah, this four-week stretch, which goes back to about mid-February through uh, mid-March, it just gets really nuts. Um, it's, it's a fun nuts just because there's just so much going on, and it's not just on the weekends. Our weekends are super full with uh, a lot of the high school sports championships because they go through their routine where it starts with state wrestling, then it transitions to state swimming and diving. And then, of course, over the next two weeks, we have uh, the boys' and women's state basketball tournaments um, and those are going to be girls are on, on deck for this week starting on Thursday, and then the uh, fellas take the stage next week. You know, I, Kevin, uh, you've been around this state a lot longer than I have. I don't know if I remember a time where there's been as much high-level boys' basketball talent as we currently have in the state. Have you seen that? And what's your evaluation of some of these guys who are getting looks from a lot of big-time schools? No, you know, I've said that throughout this season. That I hope people have really cherished and embraced what's happening with not just high school basketball in Lincoln, but across the state. The fact that there are some high-level Division One coaches, I don't think that we've had a year in which there have been as many Power Five conference coaches visiting gyms across Nebraska. And it's not just in Lincoln and Omaha. Shaka, Shaka Smart came up and watched Donovan Williams play at Norfolk one night during midweek because that's when Texas was off. Um, Dana Altman's been in town. You've seen so many different guys come in. Oklahoma State, I feel like, has sent almost their entire coaching staff up here at some point in time just to get a feel for some of the guys. And it's not just Donovan Williams. There's a a swell of talent, not just upperclassmen in the Omaha Metro, but also some underclassmen. I know Fred Hoiberg likes a few of the guys over there. So uh, there's a a special level of talent happening, happening individually, and if it's resulted in some really Really good teams. Millard North is sensational. Bellevue West is really good. Omaha West Side has a really nice player. It's going to make for a really fun state tournament come next week. Yeah, again, the girls are this week. They start on Thursday. The boys are a week away for that. You've covered a lot of basketball, seen a lot of games. Have you seen one where a team went 8 of 30 from the free throw line before? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> now you have. But it's been, youth, it's been youth basketball. It's been either my son or my daughter's teams fourth or fifth grade level or maybe sixth grade but at the division one or college no less level wow Mm. wow and these are unguarded shots greg it's it's certainly something and it just goes to show that these guys are capable of making a 15 footer there is just if you ever want to do a study on the mental uh tenacity it takes and the mental fortitude to overcome something there it is Eight of 30 from the free throw line, a team that is more than capable of making free throws, but somehow something helped them back this weekend in which they had just an atrocious percentage from the foul line. Brutal. I know, and I know that I know that team's embarrassed by it. I hope they can put out a better effort when they go to Michigan later yeah, in the that's week. A serious, that, that's a serious thing to think about is what kind of hangover effect does that have? Because that could block you up for the next game, maybe the next week, and hopefully not throughout the end of the season. But you know that as a player, as a competitor, uh, that eats at you, and you hope that they're able to flush it some way, somehow, quickly. Yeah. Well, the news that that, kind of shook the ground around here was the J.D. Spielman announcement yesterday from the football office that he has left the team temporarily to, 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 to iron out some health issues. 
Have you had any interaction with J.D. Spielman? Because it's it's rare if anybody's had a chance to to get in front of J.D. over his career here in, in Nebraska. You know, I have. Uh, it was when he was a freshman. I remember there were a few times where interviews uh, were able to happen with J.D. And we were fortunate enough here at 1011 to sit down and chat with him. And um, it wasn't a podium-style interview, so there wasn't the uh, the massive reporters. It was able to sit down and talk to him one-on-one and got to know him a little bit. And he's a great kid. I think that he's an extremely hard worker. He's got some really nice values. And the story that we did, if I rewind about three and a half years ago, was the fact that before coming to college, he was debating on playing lacrosse collegiately. He had an opportunity to play Division One lacrosse. I believe it was Ohio State that really wanted him to go play. Just a frank athlete, a good kid, quiet kid. But, you know, some people have, have been able to get him to open up a little bit. That's one of my stories is uh, just the time when we got him talking about lacrosse. And he even shared some of his lacrosse highlights with us. And, my goodness, you talk about lightning on a lacrosse field. Oh. Not that I watched that sport a ton, Greg, but he definitely jumped out because he's so quick and he's so explosive. And I don't think anybody would be surprised by that. That's followed his career at Nebraska. And my other story, which uh, I kind of say in tongue-in-cheek, it was just such a goofy moment, is I was driving around campus uh, one summer day with my kids in the back, and Dad had the windows rolled down, and uh, we're just joking around on a, a hot day, and my son yelled out the window at some, some random person to him on the corner, of the corner of the street, and it was J.D. Spielman. And J.D. playfully like looked back and gave him a little fist bump, and ever since, that's been my son's favorite player. Fantastic. Well, we hope nothing but the best for J.D., and hopefully he gets back on campus this summer. We just did a segment, Kevin, about uh, players to watch during spring ball. In your eyes, what are some of the bigger storylines that will unfold here in the next six weeks of the Husker football? Obviously, wide receiver is number one, in my opinion. Um, I really want to see some of the new guys that are on campus, most importantly because with uh, J.D. taking a break right now and just the opportunity to play at the wideout spot, not to mention how important that position is in Scott Frost's offense. That's where my eyes are going to go first, and that's something that I think the coaches have to really embrace the opportunity here over the next six weeks to develop players. You know, that's always the goal at spring, but now you're going to be, be developing guys that know they have the opportunity to play almost instantly. And number two is what's going to happen at inside linebacker. Muhammad Berry graduates, and uh, there's an opportunity to play there. Will Honus, I'm excited to see. You know, I think his frame's gotten a little bit bigger. Hopefully he's going to think less and react more uh, in the upcoming season. But Nick Henrich is a guy that uh, is also going to be on my high on my radar to see what they can do here this spring season. Opportunity, a plenty, a plenty for him and the rest of those inside linebackers. Yeah, not, not like you need more on your plate, but all that gets going on Monday with spring practice for the Oscars. Kevin, we appreciate it. Thanks for squeezing us in your busy schedule. I know you guys are, are going 100 miles per hour. We certainly appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me on, Greg.